So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together we are His house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. And I want you to turn now to chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin at verse 10. It's a section on the armor of God. And it says, beginning at verse 10, Finally, my brethren, or I like how the, the Passion Translation says, it says, I saved the most important for last. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand. Everybody say, stand. Yeah. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand, there it is again, in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. There it is again. Stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and being watchful to this end with perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what he's saying this morning. Jesus, we just come to you right now and we ask you to speak to us through your word. We ask you to open our hearts, Lord. Change our lives. Change the way we think. Open us to the reality of the, the, the spirit world, Lord. What's going on in the heavenlies? What's going on in the earth, Lord? Uh, how powerful you are. How real the enemy is. I just I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is speaking today. Lord, I ask for a grace and anointing to rest upon me, that I would preach your word with authority as I ought to. And I ask you to anoint every person within the sound of my voice, that we will hear and receive what you are speaking to us today. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I determined last week, uh, and, I, and I shared this from the, from the beginning, I, I'm, I'm trying to be practical in the applications that I'm bringing out uh, today. I, I, guys, at the end of the day, this is so real. Well, we're talking about the realm of warfare, the reality of the devil and, uh, and God and his power. It is so real. It is more real than, than most of us uh, are aware of. Uh, there are people, you understand, did you know this? You're at war. Did you know that? You're at war, but there's many who act like they are not. We live just kind of casual in our, in our relationship and our walk with God and uh, uh, we need to get serious about our walk with the Lord. If you're not already, many of you are. But uh, I don't know if you've ever played. I, I played football. I wasn't a great football player. 
My brother Jeremy, who you guys met a couple weeks back, was a great football player, but uh, I wasn't. I, I didn't get bigger until I got married and my wife started feeding me good. But um, I was a small guy in high school. And so anyway, I don't know if you've ever played football. Have you, any of you ever been blindside, uh, blindsided? Is that what they call it, blindsided? You're just, you're, you're standing there, you're not paying attention, and somebody comes and wipes you out from a direction that you're not anticipating. How many of you ever experienced that? Whether in football or, you know, it could be anything, you know, you just, you know, we've all experienced that. How many understand you could have a shrimpy little guy come and wipe you out because you don't know that the blow is coming? But if you square off with somebody who's coming towards you, in fact, if you get some momentum moving behind you, if you anticipate and even push back against somebody who's trying to take you out, how many know it's going to be a very different story? Now, it'll be real different if you actually had some tools and you knew, now, this guy's approaching me, but I know how to take him out. That's where I want to be. That's how I want to live my life. I feel like the Bible is teaching us that, hey, there's principalities and there's powers. There's rulers of darkness. There's a prince of the power of the air, the devil. He's on a rampage right now, and we need to take this seriously. In fact, I, I want to give you some perspective and show you how serious we ought to be about this. You might wonder, well, why are we pushing to plant churches? Why, why would we want to have 1,200 churches by 2025. What would drive somebody like Dr. Morocco to do that? Why, why do we push as King's Kona? Why are we thinking about put, starting new churches? You know, in fact, next month we're going to start a Bible study in Hilo. Did you know that? Why are we trying to start another church? We barely got this. This church isn't even a year old. Why are we already starting another church? Because we're insane. That's why. But let me, give you, let me give you a reason. Jesus made a statement, and this is what my spiritual father based his entire ministry on, John 9, 4. It says, we must quickly carry out the tasks that are assigned to the one who sent us. This is Jesus speaking. Because night is coming and no one can work. We must quickly carry out the tasks that have been assigned to us. Why do we have four services throughout the week that's not including our ethnic ministries we've got slavic services we had marshallese can we start another service midweek we're like yes start that service why why are we doing this why are we trying to reach people group because god has trusted us with a lot and we have a limited amount we have a time frame with which we are working and we need to be serious about the work of god that's why that's why you guys i you know there's churches that you could just sit and hang out, come to church once a week, and it's going to be just like nice and, and comfortable. This isn't that church. I'm just telling you. I'm going to bug you if you don't show up to church. I really am. I'm going to push you to get involved with ministries and to get involved with life groups and to do something with the call of God on your life. For these, these students, why do we give place on Thursday nights to 17 YWAM students that have a heart? to? Why would we do something like that? Because I want to see everybody who comes within the realm of this ministry move into the fullness of what God has called them to do. So 
We have an assignment. Jesus operated with this time frame in mind. He knew that his time was limited on the earth and he maximized the work that he did. But can I, can I clue you into something in Revelation 12.12? 12, the, it is talking about how Satan was cast out of heaven and, and, and then it says this, Rejoice heavens and you who dwell with them. Satan's not here anymore. But it says this, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you with great wrath because he knows he has a short time. Not only is Jesus operating with a time frame in mind, but Satan himself is operating with a time frame in mind. And according to this passage right here, he is going to be more wrathful. He is going to be more intense as he sees the end approaching. Now here's my question. If Jesus is getting more serious as his, as his second coming approaches, and if Satan is getting more serious as the second coming is approaching, how many of you think it would be a good idea if the church of Jesus Christ also gets serious about the day and the time that we're living in? This is what we're dealing with today. We need to, we need to get serious. We need to, we need to work hard, and we're going we're gonna to stand. Now, what does it mean to stand? I, I highlighted that word. I talked a little bit about it this last week, but um, I want to show you this, uh, this word, uh, to stand or to withstand, uh, it's the Greek word anti, uh, let me see, antihistamai. It's literally the same word where we get antihistamine. And it means to vigorously oppose, to bravely resist, face to face in adversity, standing our ground. That's what it means to withstand. It's not just, you, you'll notice the guy who's standing in our little graphic there, right? He's sitting down and then he's, he's walking, right? We're talking about seated with Christ and then how, walking in love and walking in power, walking in wisdom, walking out our marriage. But this last part is not just let's stand around and hang out. No, it's, it's stand. It's, it's stand victoriously. Let's oppose. Let's bravely resist. Let's fight face to face the enemies that oppose us. Now, there's, there's three. No, there's actually four. I, I wrote this all in your notes. You can see this. Uh, in verse 11, you'll notice that it says to stand against. That means to hold at bay, to aggressively stand in front of or oppose. Um, you know, let me ask you a question. If you knew that the devil himself was gunning for your children, or he's coming after your marriage, or he, he had an attempt to, to hit your business, or uh, you know, to undermine your church, whatever it may be, I mean, how would you act if you knew the devil was walking up to my wife right now? Well, let me just, let me read my Bible. I'm going to send out a text message and ask for a prayer chain, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post something on, on Facebook and see how many likes and shares I can get. You know, sending, sending good vibes, you know. Is that going to do anything? No. We, <laughs> that stuff irritates me, man. You think Jesus is standing up there? Not enough vibes have been sent. I can't move yet. No, 
Man, if you knew that there was a predator coming after your children, you'd get aggressive, wouldn't you? If you knew there was somebody coming to defile your wife or, 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 or undermine or divide your church, you would get aggressive with those things. And that's what it is to stand against. And then in verse 12, it says that we wrestle. So not only do we vigorously oppose, but we wrestle. That means we actively engage in one-on-one -on -one combat. That's how I want to be against the devil, man. You recognize who that? That's why we took a moment to pray. I discern that there are spiritual forces that will push back against our building project. So what do we do? I rally the church. We did the same thing in our early morning prayer meetings all throughout the week. We rally the prayer warriors to actively resist and wrestle against. Yes, there are spiritual forces that will stop a building program. There really are. And that may say you're being hyper-spiritual. No. We have watched over and over and over again. You see how delay and these things operate, and you begin to actively resist, and you see breakthrough. Things move forward. And so we're going we're gonna to wrestle. That's hand-to-hand, one-on-one combat. And then I like in verse 13, it says that you're found standing active, uh, standing after an active battle. That's good news, friend. If you hear and obey the word of God, you will be standing after the battle. I just want to encourage you, if you will take to heart what the Bible says, what this pastor is saying this morning, you're not going to be destroyed by the works of the enemy. Battles will come. They will come. But you're going to stand, you're going to wrestle, and you're going to be victorious when it's all said and done. In fact, you're going to have some stories to tell. We go to this uh, pastor's conference most years. Uh, the Pastor Hennessy, you met him a few weeks ago. He does a, a conference. And the first day or so of the conference, he has what he calls the round table. And what he, what he does is uh, he shares the story about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round, round Table. Maybe you've heard this, but what they, what they would do is they would go out and they would have their battles and they would be uh, you know, advancing the, that kingdom uh, throughout the entire year. And when they would assemble around the round table, the first thing that they would do is they would all take off their shirt. They'd begin to strip down. And they would begin to show one another they're scars. Look, I was over here, and I fought this guy, and he stabbed me here, but I survived. And you know, they begin to share their stories of the warfare, and you know what that is? That's testimony. Yeah, you ever talk to people that have, I mean, listen, man, I, I, you get these guys been married six months and want to give you marriage advice? I mean, I'll hear what you got to say, but I'd rather hear these guys, man, you, you've, been, you've been married 40 years. And you still love each other. Hallelujah. You know, those are the guys. Why? Because they've been through some stuff. They got some battle scars. They got some testimony. You know, uh, you can hear somebody talk about healing. Never seen a, a person healed in their life. But you talk to somebody who's seen a lot. Who's been through and walked through that, that, that valley of sickness themselves. You know, maybe battled cancer and overcame. That's a story that will encourage you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so this is, this is what it is. We, we stand and we, 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 we uh, it says to stand in verse 13. And so we share stories. We have victories. And you're still, you're still alive when it's said and done. But you'll notice verse 14. 
and it says, stand again. And this is important because that means the battle is over. You're standing victorious. Now, you need to position yourself for the next battle. Guys, where you'll see most people fail, in fact, if you've looked at most of the scandals that have happened in ministry, you'll notice that they usually happen after great victories. It happens after the large revival meeting. It happens, uh, it happens after they, they have some success. Uh, you know, man, we, just, we finally conquered the mountain. And it's in the, that moment where their guard is down and they get wiped out. This is why you stand, actively oppose and resist. You wrestle, hand-to-hand combat, take the word of God, pray in the spirit. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. And then you're standing victorious. Share the story, share the victory. And then the last part, prepare for the next battle. Because there's always going to be battles, friend. There's always going to be challenges. And you ought to just learn to thank God for the battles. Your, your life will be a lot more pleasant if you don't get offended every time a battle comes your way. Okay? And so, I want to talk about two pieces of armor, and then, and then we're going to pray. Um, we talked last week about, about the belt of truth. And that's very important. This is, this is the foundation of everything. We talked about how uh, God is true, His Word is true. Uh, and listen, if, if you can't accept that the Bible is true, none of the other weapons of warfare are going to work for you. Um, if this is not reliable, if the Word of God is not reliable, then you might as well scrap all the, the weapons of warfare and just surrender yourself to the enemy. You're going to lose. Okay? We, need to, we need to receive the Word. This is truth parts I like and the parts I don't like, this is true. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to model my life after this thing. And so we accept the word of God. It's true. We're going to build our lives on it. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Now we understand Jesus is our righteousness. We receive him. His righteous, perfect life is applied to ours. He takes our sinful life. It's what we call the great exchange. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And then we begin this process where the Lord begins to form us into his image, transform us by the renewing of our mind. We're being established in integrity. Integrity, you'll remember, we talked about the picture of the boat and how, how if a boat has integrity, it means it doesn't have cracks in the hole, in the hole, right? The hole of the ship. It means it doesn't have holes in the hole, right? Uh, it means that it's, it's sound, it's stable, it's not going to, to sink. And this is the same thing. We, in our lives, the Lord is going to begin to highlight areas. Hey, you've got a chink in your armor. Hey, you've got a hole. You've got space that's exposed here. And the Lord will begin to speak to you. That's integrity. Now, verse 15, this is where we get into some new stuff today. This is uh, where, in verse 15, it's, it's phrased a little oddly. In fact, the King James, it says, Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, what in the world does that mean? Shod, that means you're wearing the preparation of the gospel of peace. In fact, if you look at different translations, they all, they all translate it slightly different. The New Living Translation says, For shoes... Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Put on the 
peace that comes from the good news. That's the gospel, so you will be fully prepared. But then in a footnote, in the New Living Translation, it says, for shoes put on the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God. Now, this is what's interesting about it. I want to help you guys out because I, I've heard people, you read this and, you know, maybe you were at vacation Bible school and you like cut out cardboard pieces of armor and like, what in the world does the, the gospel, what is the preparation of the gospel of peace? What does that even mean? Some translators say it is being prepared to preach the gospel is what gives you shoes. Other translators say, no, no, it's receiving the peace that comes with the gospel. I would say the answer is yes. It is both of those. In fact, you'll notice in our notes I put down for shoes, we are prepared to receive and share the gospel of peace. We're prepared to receive. Everybody say receive, receive. and share. We're prepared to receive and share the gospel of peace. This is how Jesus encourages disciples to minister. Matthew 5, 8. He says, freely you have received, freely give. If you want to receive something, in Bible terms, you need to give it. This is what we encourage almost every week when we're receiving our tithes and our offerings, isn't it? We, you, you, want, you want to receive increase in your finances? You need to begin to give finances now people have asked me over the years well you know i can't really afford to give can i come and serve around the church and and let that be my offering listen that can be your offering but if you're looking for increase in your finances you need to sow finances you can sow your time and serving in the ministry but what you're going to reap is time <laughs> you're going to reap people being willing to serve you you're going to reap god being willing to serve you you understand that? You, 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 it's like, you know, it's, you, you'll receive increase of the seed that you sow. This is why I encourage people, if you have trouble receiving breakthrough for healing, and I've been praying for my back and it just can't get healed, what I would encourage you to do is begin to sow healing prayer into other people who need healing. And you will reap what you sow. This can apply to almost any area of your life. You know, you want to have a good marriage? Begin investing. Sow into your marriage. You want your children to obey? Begin to sow. Invest in your children. Every area of your life, you want to receive something, you need to give it. And so what we do is, is this is the model that Jesus laid out for us. As freely as we receive, when we receive the good news, when we receive the gospel, now we also receive a responsibility to share good news with others. Here's the, here's the gospel of peace, Romans 5, 6. For Christ uh, died for the, uh, for the ungodly. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. We were enemies. We were reconciled. We were brought to peace to God by the death of his son. And much more being reconciled, we will be saved by his life. What a privilege that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. While we were enemies. This is where the gospel of peace comes in. Did you know that there was a time, if you're outside of Christ, we were enemies of God. All we had was, a, the Hebrews says, a fearful expectation of judgment. 
But Jesus loved us so much that he died for us, laid down his life for us, took upon himself the wrath that was due us. That's what the word propitiation means. That's a, that's a long theological word, but it's literally an atonement sacrifice. It is a sacrifice of peace. And that's why we say now there is reconciliation where there once was warfare and tension and fighting now we have peace with god we all know what it's like to feel the displeasure of the lord over our lives don't we we know what it's like to feel that conviction and i should not have said that i should not have done that and i think that's why there's a lot of people out there who think god is angry with them that God doesn't love them. That God is mad at them. Listen, is he displeased with sin? Yes. Is he serious about sin? Yes. He's serious enough to die for it. But the good news is, we were all sinners. And Jesus died for us. So that we can be at peace with God. Guys, this is the simplicity of the gospel. And I would encourage you, if you've ever felt like God is angry with you, all you need to do is look to Jesus and receive the peace that he offers us. That's all we need to do, is receive what he has purchased for us. How does that help us in warfare? Well, I want you to think about this. Why did David have confidence to fight Goliath? Here's a guy because rather than looking at the size and the skill of this giant, he relied on the fact that God was on his side. And that's the confidence that you and I, it doesn't matter what demon is staring us down. It doesn't matter what is resisting us, what's coming against my marriage, my church, my finances, my family. Whatever Goliath I am battling, God is on my side. And there's peace in that, friend. There's peace. And so we stand firm. We stand firm. There's no retreating. You'll notice that none of the armor of God, in fact, covers your backside. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're always advancing. We're always pushing. The devil is on the defense. Did you realize that? If the church is doing what we're supposed to do, hell goes on the defensive. Did you ever notice that even when Jesus said, Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Have you ever seen anybody attack with a gate? For real. Have you ever seen? No. But when Jesus is building and extending his church, hell is the one who begins to put up gates and walls and barriers. We are the one. Jesus is saying, there's no gate that's going to keep the church from doing what it's supposed to do. Why? So we look, we look at a property like this. God desires to build and expand his kingdom, his church right here in Kona. And I love our senior pastor and the fact that he has a heart. Now let's not rent a place, let's buy a property. And that's exactly what we did. We sought this thing out as a whole miracle story. God began to open the doors for us to not only buy out the lease on this building, but to buy this entire property. There's resistance, and there's pushback. Why? Hell is on the defensive. But we are going to vigorously oppose the kingdom of darkness, and we will be victorious, amen? And so, 
If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31, we are more than conquerors in him through Christ Jesus who loved us. That's Romans 8.37. I've got just two questions for you. Have you received that peace? Have you received the gospel of peace? If you have, you can stand in confidence that God is with you and he is fighting for you. But I want to remind you, there's an assignment that comes with that. Freely you receive, freely give. You want to know how you're going to put your shoes on in terms of the armor? You're going to strap up these shoes, and the only way you're going to begin to move forward is when you begin to step into the ministry that God has called you to. And you all have a ministry. You all have a ministry. Singing on this worship team. They're releasing peace. They're releasing the presence of God. They're releasing, this is a house of miracles. They're prophesying, and they're leading us all into this realm. You know what that is? They're releasing the gospel of peace. When you open your home for a life group, when you encourage young people in, the, in our youth meetings, uh, uh, when you're greeting somebody with the love of the Lord, all of these things are activating, you're sharing, God has been good to me, and I want to share that with you. But there's going to be people that you and I meet all the time. You're going to see them come across your, your, your Facebook and your Instagram feed. You're going to meet them at the workplace, and you know they don't have peace in their life. And when you and I meet people who don't have peace in their life, it's our responsibility to share. You can have peace in your life. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about this great gospel of peace. Let me tell you. And guys, you think, well, I, I'm not good enough to share. I can't share the gospel. I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader. Listen, you have a story. And if God has been good to you, if God has touched your life, I once was in fear and now I'm not. I once was anxious and now I'm not. I once was addicted and now I'm not. If you have a story like that, maybe your story is, I was raised in the church and I grew up loving the Lord and I'm still saved today. That's a testimony, friend. That's a testimony. And so we share those things. Tell somebody about what God has done. And the last part, the last thing is we have our shield of faith. Everybody say shield of faith. This is very, very simple. We trust God and His promises. We trust God and His promises. Um, people complicate this. And, and, and people might even try and turn this into like a, you know, faith healing kind of thing. You know, you could say, well, if you're not being healed, you don't have enough faith. That's not the context of this passage, I'm just telling you. Having faith that will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. That's what this is talking about. Faith that quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. What that looks like is it's, it's very simple. Are you guys with me? I'm going to blow your mind with how simple this really is. Do you believe what God says in His Word? Do you trust God and His promises? That's what faith is. Do I trust what God said? And let me tell you how practical this is. You are in the work situation and you are tempted to lie about your prophets. Fiery dart headed your way. Do I believe 
the Bible when it says that I'm to be honest, that dishonest gain is going to be quickly lost. You know, there's about a dozen verses that I could pull off the top of my head about why I should be honest in my business practice. Now, do I believe God or am I going to have faith in this temptation that's now coming my way? If you don't believe God, you can get hit by a fiery dart. If you believe God at his word, man, this would be some easy, quick money. But Lord, I believe your word is true. You're going to quench that fiery dart. When some pretty little thing starts throwing herself at you, some handsome guy starts throwing himself at you, are you going to take God at his word? God defined what relationships are supposed to look like. And this isn't it. I'm a married man. I'm a married woman. Or I'm believing for a godly marriage one day. Do I believe that God's way is better than this? As you fill in the blank, this is, this is what faith is that will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Temptation is constantly going to come our way from every single different angle. Are we going to believe the Bible when he says, my way is better? My way is better. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. That's Proverbs 30 and verse 5. Worship team, will you come? I'm, I'm closing. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Psalm 84 and verse 11 says, The Lord is a, sh a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. You know, as we bring this message to a close, can I just, can I tell you that the devil's strategy has not changed even since the beginning of time. A lot of people say that pride is the root of all sin or pride is the reason that the devil fell. I actually disagree. You know what I think it was? I think the sin that caused Satan to fall was unbelief I think it was a lack of faith because he did not believe that God Almighty was worthy of the praise he thought maybe I should receive some of that he did not believe that God was who he was unbelief crept in and he thought maybe I could be exalted in that measure and so he was cast out look at how he approached Adam and Eve did God really say it was a seed of unbelief? If they would have put up their shield, I believe what God said, that eating this fruit will destroy my life. I believe God. That's faith. He seeded unbelief. God seems like the kind of guy who'd be holding out on you. There's a reason that, yeah, he doesn't want you to be like him. Unbelief. How did he come to Jesus? If you're the son of God. If you're this unbelief, are you really who you think you are? Guys, that's exactly how the devil's going to come to each and every one of us. That's how he's going to come to us. Is God's way really better? Is marriage really better than how you're doing it right now? Is that addiction really going to destroy your life the way these guys say it will? You just fill in the blank. What is the area? And here's the thing. 
If the voice that you're hearing causes you to question your faith, you need to call that voice out for what it is. That's not God. That's the devil. And when you recognize that the devil's speaking into you, we vigorously oppose him. We adamantly resist him. Fight against him. Come on, I want you to stand all across this room right now. Now, you know, this COVID time has kind of messed us up. We've not taken a lot of opportunity to, to have step-down prayer, and I don't have a lot of time this morning. In fact, I'm, I'm already out of time, but I, as I was praying, as I was seeking the Lord the last few days, I want to go back to a question that I asked you earlier. Have you received the peace that only Jesus can offer? Do you have peace when it comes to the hope of eternity? I'm at peace. Today were the day I were to meet Jesus. I'm at peace. Are you at peace in your life today? I'm at peace because I know Jesus is... He's Lord of my marriage. He's Lord of my church. He's Lord of my children. I'm at peace. I'm not anxious. I'm not fearful. I'm truly not. But some here today, you don't have that confidence. There's, there's so much unrest. There's so much unbelief over the matters of your life. And, and I just want to take a moment to pray. I believe there's power sometimes when we take a step of faith and what I want to do is, is if you're here and you say, Pastor Jacob, I need peace in my life. I want to have peace over my eternity. I want to have peace over my relationships. I want to have peace over my work relation. I want to have peace over my health. This, this COVID thing stresses me out. I want to have peace in that area of my life. I know this is broad, but if that's you and you want the Lord to deposit peace in your life, I want to encourage you to step out from your seat right now. And I want you to come and join me right down here at this altar. I'd love to pray with you personally. Come on. If that be you, you say, I want prayer. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, just make your way right down here. I need that peace. I need that peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. If that be you, just step out from where you're at. Come and join us down here. The Lord's going to meet you. The Lord's going to touch you with his peace. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, if there's others, I want you to come. I know there's more. I know there's more. Jesus said, are you weary? Are you tired? Are you burdened? He said, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. And if you're just tired in life, if you're weary in life, I, this altar calls for you. This prayer time is for you. The Lord wants to give you peace. He wants to give you rest this morning. If that's you, come on. Come on. Just step down. Come join us right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are there others? Are there others? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Just begin to talk to the Lord. Just begin to ask him to touch you and just ask him to begin to move upon you 
I'm going to lay my hands on you, and I'm going to believe for God's grace and his power to be released in your life, even right now, this morning, for his peace to come. Worship, would you just lead us for a moment? Hallelujah.